There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Rather, it's positive or negative. Minnesota Sports Chat has you covered. Talking nothing but Minnesota sports all year long. It's time now for the soon-to-be award-winning, if only in his own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat with your host, Ross Brendel. For now, it's only in my own mind, but one of these days uh, we'll have some hardware. Although right now I'm a lot like the Gopher hockey team, lacking in that department and a little disappointed. Welcome inside edition number 162. Yes, of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Award-winning, yes, if only in my own mind. Is that open states? Voiced and produced by Minnesota Sports Chat regular, my guy, Mr. Manny Hill. My other guy, Daniel House, makes his regular, at least monthly, appearance at this point in just moments here on Minnesota Sports Chat. We'll talk Gophers football, Vikings in the draft. We'll mix in some baseball talk, too. A big thank you to you for helping me grow Minnesota Sports Chat by downloading and subscribing and for telling your family and friends all about this pod. Please make sure you rate and review on Apple if you have yet to do so. And if you're listening via the Score North Taxi Squad feed, I encourage you to download or, excuse me, subscribe and, yes, download Minnesota Sports Chat wherever it is that you get your podcasts. At Daniel House NFL from Gophers Guru and GophersGuru.com. Great to see you, buddy. How you been? Doing well. Getting ready for the draft, Ross. Spring ball, draft. It's, it's football season of the spring, and, and it's one of my faves, actually. I can see it, and for those watching on the YouTube machine, uh, I can see it in your face, Daniel. Very happy. You got that. You're grinning ear to ear. This is prop. Is this more your time of year than actual football season? Uh, I wouldn't say that, but it's, it's, close. it's close. It's close. It's close, man. It's close because there's just so much stuff you can do to get ready for the draft. And then I'm watching players and I, I want to get a feel for like these diamond in the rough players that when you get to day three of the draft, you're going, yes, this dude got selected and you can talk about it and have some reactions. So I've I've watched tons of players to get ready for the draft, like always, but it, it's fun. Well, speaking of diamond in the rough, congrats to Diamond Miller, the number two overall pick in the WNBA draft, to your soon-to-be five-time WNBA champion, Minnesota Lynx. Daniel, NFL draft, two weeks away. You kind of alluded to it. How's your mm-hmm. film grinding going uh, personally as you're looking for those diamonds in the rough? But more importantly, what are you finding on film that might be of interest to the Minnesota Vikings? Well, I want to take an outside-the-box approach because I don't think the Vikings uh, sometimes follow the mainstream. And what you hear might not be exactly what the intent is from the Vikings, like what they're thinking about internally. So I've cooked up a few theories that I think might make sense. If they stay put at 23, I'm very intrigued by cornerback Cam Smith from South Carolina. And I went and studied a whole bunch of defensive backs throughout the offseason, looking at what are some common denominator trends. And 
Camp Smith checks a lot of those boxes for me. Flexible, good transition quickness, physicality, makes plays on the ball, able to match and mirror routes. I see him being an excellent man cover corner at the next level just because of his physicality and his hips and how he moves. And then he's also got the zone coverage ability. But the one thing I noticed, Ross, when I watched the film is he's so aggressive against the run. Love his playing style mentality, and it jumps out on film. Testing-wise, 968 out of 10 relative athletic score and a 1-4-9 10-yard split, which is outstanding. So checks all the boxes for me would be as outstanding scheme fit and someone that I think could potentially go higher than people anticipate. Uh, and he checks a lot of the boxes that the Vikings would be looking for in a cornerback. Dumb this down a little bit for the dummies like me. Relative athletic score. Explain that. Basically puts together the athletic testing for each player in the NFL draft relative to their size and, and position. So it will tell you basically what percentile each player is, is testing at. So, for example, like specific 40-yard dash time it will tell you out of 10 where that player ranks. You know, 10 being the best, one being the lowest. It gives you a scale on where that player ranks based on their size and where they stack up in the position group. Because, you know, it's a lot different, Ross, where it's like, okay, you're evaluating how fast a defensive lineman is versus a wide receiver or even like a defensive back versus a linebacker. It quantifies relative to what position group that player is within. So uh, just a way to measure how athletic someone is out of 10. So this uh, next question is definitely a Minnesota Vikings question, but I feel unless you have a Patrick Mahomes type quarterback, Mm -hmm. which only a few teams in the NFL have and how I quantify Patrick Mahomes type quarterback. It's obviously the elite of the elite. So you could still probably put Aaron Rodgers in there. Tom Brady, of course, when he was playing Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, pretty much every quarterback that makes the playoffs in the AFC. Okay. If you don't have one of those quarterbacks, you're always looking for the next guy. So if you're the Minnesota Vikings, Follow this long-winded Ross question here. Would you Mm -hmm. move up for a quarterback? Would you take Levis, Richardson, or Hendon Hooker if given the chance at 23? Likely only one of those guys will be there at 23, maybe two. Would you wait until the middle of the draft for someone else? Would you pass altogether this year? What would you do for the... Vikings quarterback conundrum. Is it a quarterback conundrum for 2023? No, I don't think so. But when you're looking for the long-term solution, there is a quarterback conundrum in Minnesota. What would you do in this year's draft? There are a couple of different scenarios. First, got to see what happens with the first couple of picks here. What do the Panthers end up doing? Are they going C.J. Stroud? Are they going Bryce Young? If they end up going Bryce Young and then the Texans decide they don't want to take a quarterback, they go Will Anderson and CJ Stroud's available with the third pick and Arizona's willing to take calls. I would absolutely entertain that idea just because I think CJ Stroud is a phenomenal fit for what the Vikings are looking to do, like the accuracy, the ball placement, all the things that you're looking for uh, in a quarterback to run this system. CJ Stroud is a quarterback that I'd trade up for. Now, if you're asking me, staying put at 23 or moving up a few spots. Uh, I would be willing to move up a few spots for Anthony Richardson. And 
I say that because I see so much upside. And when you watch the film, I feel there is more uh, polish than people think there is. And it's it's flashy. It's not maybe the most consistent, but you watch the flashes of anticipation, especially as the season progressed and his comfort level grew. And that's what I like to see. You know, I thought his field vision and ability to move defenders improved too. I saw some reps where he shot through progressions, moved to safety and a linebacker with his eyes or pump fake and helped get receivers open. He shows more flashes in that area than people think. And when you combine the athletic ability in the design quarterback run game, the ability to stretch teams at all three levels is just so dynamic with the ball in his hand. But I see so many people saying he's just completely raw, but I don't see that. I see some glimpses on film where he improved over the course of the season. When you sit down and you watch the film from like right away in the season to the end and see the growth that, that was occurred with him, it leaves me even more intrigued about what a good coaching staff could do with him. And you got to remember, Ross, he had a different coordinator every year when he was at Florida. Absolutely no continuity, only a one-year college starter, so he needed reps. And to see him improve over the course of his career – uh, I see potential with Anthony Richardson, and I believe a lot of NFL teams will. Dare I say Anthony Richardson was the Adam Weber of the Florida Gators with all those offensive coordinators year in and year out. Thank you. I appreciate that 10-plus-year-old poll. Uh, Daniel, does does Hendon Hooker's age bug you? On the surface, it doesn't really bug me. I, 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 I still hesitant. I'm hesitant to believe that anybody's going to take him in the twenties where some people are mocking the Minnesota Vikings to take him. Would I crucify the Vikings if they took him at 23? No, absolutely not. It's the most important position perhaps in all of sports. So you're going to swing the bat to try and hit a home run. However, I would say he'll be 25. He's going to sit a year, which then means he's 26. You know, the clock's already ticking on a guy who hasn't played yet. When you think of the shelf life of quarterback and players in the NFL, but in today's current NFL, you're seeing quarterbacks push into their late 30s, into their early 40s. So it doesn't really bug me so much. If I was the Vikings, I'd be more inclined to maybe take him early in the second round and move up that way if I really wanted him and let somebody else take him in the 20s. But one, his age doesn't bug me. Two, I wouldn't take him at 23, but I wouldn't crucify the Vikings if they did. I get it. Here's the deal, Ross. I I believe Hendon Hooker, just through the eyes of NFL teams, may end up going in the top 20 at some point. Like I would not be shocked if, for example, the Tampa Bay Bucks did it. I was doing a mock draft yesterday, and I said, you know, David Canales, the offensive coordinator coming from Seattle, going to Tampa Bay. I see a lot of similarities stylistically to like Geno Smith and the type of system that they want to run out there. Tampa Bay is a team I could see taking Hand and Hooker potentially at pick 19. When I sit down, you know, you're talking about age. I know he's 25. He's coming off an ACL. But there are some things to consider. Hand and Hooker off play action in his career, 77-plus percent adjusted completion percentage in every year, every year, in his playing career in college, 52 TDs and four picks off of play action, 80 career touchdowns. So 65% of his touchdowns occurred off play action, which is an important element in the Vikings type of offense. And it's a tough eval for a lot of people because they're looking at Tennessee's offense 
And, you know, it's simplistic in a sense, but, you know, they're, they're talking about how he throws the ball downfield. And what I've been saying is with those receivers lined up outside the numbers, it's a little bit more difficult of, of a throw. So when you get those receivers away from being outside the numbers and in tighter, I think that's going to help him a little bit with those throws down the field. Uh, you got to go back and watch Virginia Tech film as well. Lots of play action, moving out of the pocket for crossers, throwbacks and screens. They use some two tight end, H-back style packages, design QB run elements as well. There are some inconsistencies in his game, don't get me wrong. Like, don't love him outside of structure. He'll stand in the pocket, but didn't show much, you know, on the move at Tennessee, just stylistically. I don't see him making those special throws by escaping or, you know, moving out of the pocket and, and firing from different arm angles. But I think the talent is there, though, and the processing and his smarts and all those things. It sounds like those are coming out in the interview process. So Hennon Hooker, in my eyes, could get picked before Will Levis because there are reservations for me specifically with Will Levis. Yeah, and I know there have been with others too. And again, would I fault the Vikings if Will Levis was sitting there at 23 and they took him? No, I absolutely would not. So I guess what I'm getting out of all this, what I'm saying is if there's a quarterback at 23, I don't know if they're going to be any good or not. I honestly, I don't know. I don't know what scouts know. I don't even know what people like you know, Daniel, but I'm never going to fault a team for, I know it's a baseball analogy for football, but I'm never going to fault them for swinging the bat and trying to hit a home run on a quarterback when it's that important. Uh, Literally, not only to just your franchise, but it's important on so many different levels when it comes to being able to sell your product, which teams pay attention to as well. Yes. And that's where things like Hendon Hooker being an engaging personality and comes mm-hmm. across as very smart and fun. I don't think that GMs take that into account because they all only they only care about winning, but I, I it is a part of the package. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Minnesota Vikings, who of course still could stay at 23 and take a wide receiver move or quarterback. You can move back as well. I mean, they only have five picks right now, move back, potentially explore some options there. Will McDonald's another player that I haven't heard any buzz about specifically with the Vikings, but misutilized in a three, three, five defense at Iowa state. He was lined up as a four tech, four I, five tech kind of player, which is weird to me. I mean, that, just felt like you weren't maximizing him at all. Get this man on the edge, align him all over, watch him work. He's explosive. He He's really good at the top of the rush and flexible with almost 35-inch arms. I think he has one of the highest ceilings of any edge rusher in the entire class. And I look, closest athletic comp, one of them is Andrew Van Ginkle, a versatile player that Brian Flores drafted in Miami. You look at the numbers of what he was able to do within the defense that he played in, and you fire up the film and you dive into it. I believe Will McDonald could be one of the surprise players that emerges. I mean, he's got to get a tad bit stronger, but I think in a versatile scheme where you can move him all over, I think about him dropping with simulated pressures, aligning him all over and blitz stuff, moving him different places. Uh, He's versatile enough to do that. So keep an eye on Will McDonald as a potential surprise type of pick that could be outside the box. And it would give the Vikings some option maybe if they wanted to move back. But don't be surprised if an NFL team 
is higher on Will McDonald than the media is right now. He is one of the players I'm watching. I'm also keeping an eye on a move back scenario for Josh Downs, wide receiver from North Carolina. I'm a huge fan, smooth, sudden, crafty, methodical and efficient mover as a receiver, good route runner who I think can even get better in that area. Yak potential with the ball in his hands. You can get him underneath off of choice routes and find those soft spots in the coverage. He's got great field vision and ability to make plays after the catch. But even, you know, when you look at his size, five foot nine, 171, 72% contested catch rate, ability to catch the ball in those contested catch situations, that's a strength and something that I feel differentiates him from some of the smaller receivers because he does things at a high level. He doesn't even have any pre-draft visits, Ross, which tells me a lot about they view him as a very clean prospect. They don't need as much information. So those are a few names in addition to Cam Smith. And then I would say quarterback-wise, Ross, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, if you're going to go quarterback later, uh, I see traits and developmental upside. He's been on my radar for a while. Very athletic, can extend plays. And I love how he can make off-platform throws from different arm angles. He can escape and extend. Good as a design QB run option as well. Could throw with better anticipation, which I think you can coach out. I think he sees the field well enough. Uh, but Dorian Thompson Robinson Ross, uh, I I would take him as a developmental QB if I was picking not in the first round a quarterback. Well, here's what you get. You get improv Ross sports stand-up. Uh, fun fact about Will McDonald. I'm not sure if you knew this, Daniel House. He had a farm, E-I-E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> and DTR, fun fact about DTR, attending uh, Normandale Community College, university closest to Lindale Avenue. Really? Thank you. You're funny. <laughs> No, those are both brutal jokes, but I wanted to slide them in there. They're good They're good segues from the college entry draft to the collegiate game. Uh, yeah. We believe there'll be a spring game in um, roughly a week and a half. Go for football, 11 a.m., April 22nd. That's a Saturday. House, empty your notebook for me. What are you seeing at spring practice? What news and notes can you share with us? I think you've been out to practice a handful of times. Yeah, last night was my third one there stadium doing practice. Uh, you know, it's one of those things right now, Ross, where you lost a lot of experienced people. Tanner Morgan, John Michael Schmitz, Mariano Sorimarin, Thomas Rush, Mohamed Ibrahim, like players who have been excellent leaders. They set the tone. They lead it. They exemplify what the culture is supposed to look like. And now it's getting to the point where – those younger players that have been behind the scenes, the transfers coming in, they're taking that torch now and they have to insert themselves into it, lead the team. You know, player led teams are what PJ's looking for. And right now, you're in the spring, try to teach situational football, take care of the football, throwing the ball to the right spot, getting on the football not running the ball out of the end zone when you pick it off, go down. Like all those situational things that maybe you didn't have to spend as much time on that, you know, because of the experience that you had, you're having to spend more time on that now. So the Gophers uh, right now in spring ball are emphasizing development, teaching, those things. Now I will say this, Ross, the 
skill position spots, specifically at wide receiver, wide receiver will be one of the strengths of the team this year. Corey Crooms, sudden route runner who does some really good things at the top of routes, can create in space after the catch. Elijah Spencer, who I think has been one of the best players in the three practices that I've been at. He didn't practice last night, but the previous two practices, his ability to get open versus man coverage, contested catch ability, body positioning, all those things that you're looking for in a receiver, he is going to help in a big way. Chris Ottman Bell hasn't done anything in the spring along with Brevin Span Ford, so you add those players into the mix. They have a lot of talent in that receiving area. Now, running back-wise, uh, they've had some injuries there. You know, Darius Taylor, Zach Evans in practice uh, recently. So it's been Sean Tyler, Bryce Williams, Jordan Newbin, Max Grand. So that running back room is still a work in progress. Cornerbacks, they only have five right now. So I would anticipate since Beanie Bishop and Ryan Staff are no longer in the program that they will be relying upon Zaquan Bryan to come in here, a true freshman from Georgia, and make an impact along with hitting the transfer portal to get another cornerback in your cornerback rush end. Those are two positions where Minnesota is a little thin right now. And PJ Fleck even alluded to it yesterday when he was asked about it. What is a spring game going to look like? And he said, there'll probably be some modifications in how they do it. Like maybe not a draft like they typically do just because of where they're at roster wise due to the portal and injuries and, and those type of things. For those wondering, Ryan Stapp, no relation to Creed lead singer Scott Stapp. So just want want people to know that. Thank you. I'm full of the jokes for this record. So, Daniel, you kind of covered where I wanted to take this. I, You know my thoughts. Most people who listen to this pod and go back to the Score North Gophers show, they know my bar every year is the University of Minnesota, much like pretty much every team in the Big Ten should hit at least six wins every year. I know that that's the entire conference can't do that, but that's my belief that the Gopher football team should at bare minimum roll out of bed and go to a third tier bowl every year. However, I'm not super confident this team can do that. Can this team find six wins and can they be that player led team that you're talking about when they have so much youth and relative inexperience when it comes to playing time. I think one thing that could help is that the Greek gunslinger, Ethan Kaliak Manis, his his process was sped up a little bit by playing more than half of the season last year. So I think that could help, but uh, admittedly, I'm worried. I think I'm going to sit at a few games at Huntington Bank Stadium next year, and I think they're going to be doozies. I hope that's not the case. But again, as I've mentioned before, I look at their schedule next year and think if they're going to get to six and six, they essentially have to go six and three because I'm basically saying they're going to lose to North Carolina, they're going to lose to Ohio State, and they're going to lose to Michigan. So, assuming all of that, is this squad capable of going six and three in those other nine games? Well, we'll soon find out, Ross, because there's a lot of layers that have to come together. I mean, this is spring ball is all about development, and you want to get players in situations where they can grow, they can learn get them used to the situations that they're going to see in the game so that they're ready and it's instinct when the lights come on and you got to play a game. So the roster's far from set. I mean, there will be moves made just because the transfer portal window in May provides opportunities to add some depth to different spots. You'll have players maybe potentially leave to open up other roster spots. Like 
the entire college landscape now is so different, Ross, where you get done with the spring game and you can't even evaluate where a team's at just because everyone's rosters are not set. And there's constant recruiting going on. Like you'll have coaches going out on the road for 2024, 2025 recruiting, and they're going to be worried about the roster in 2023, which is something that typically, you know, things are sort of set. You know what it's going to look like. You just got done with spring ball. You got a feel for where your team's at. That's not the case now. So looking ahead, I'm going, you got to start fast this season. Like you got to get after it right away. You're opening with Nebraska. You got Eastern Michigan who made a bowl game last year. I was watching some defensive film on a player and I was impressed with how they played man coverage defensively. They're aggressive group, North Carolina on the road, and then open the big 10 slate with Northwestern. So the first four games to me are going to be key. You got a lot of moving pieces, um, you know, some players that haven't played as much, but also, I believe from top to bottom, offensively, their skill talent's a lot better. But how do those pieces come together with new play callers and a new quarterback and different new faces everywhere, even up front on the offensive line? And then defensively, what are they able to do in the portal at cornerback to have options opposite of Justin Wally? I believe this spring, you know, Tyreek Watson and Rylan Kelly have been getting a lot of reps opposite Justin Wally. That will be very helpful in their development, just going up against these receivers every single day in practice. But talk to me again in, in August when I've had a chance to see the roster completely finished, where everything's at, and then it will it will give me a clear read on, on how much the team is growing from now until, you know, the middle of, of training camp. So I'm going to admit something I'm kind of ashamed to admit. What's the last date you can add somebody? For next season. Well, well, you can pretty much May 1st to May 15th is the second transfer portal window. So that's when there's going to be a lot of movement occurring. And then you've got the, you know, anyone who's a graduate transfer, they can come into your program as well. So, I mean, it's constant movement, man. The, The opportunity now after spring ball to add transfers in that May 1st through the 15th window is, you know, an opportunity for players to find better situations maybe they're stuck on the depth chart or they graduate and they want to go find another opportunity or didn't work out you know there's a ton of different situations but i'm telling you that people in the college football business are very burnt out from it constant movement is how you can describe me after my first cup of coffee in the morning from my friends at beans coffee company that's how you can describe me it is officially spring here in the cities We know that because we went from 30 to 70 to 80, back down to 40s and rain and potential snow this upcoming weekend. So we know it's officially spring, which means that Beans Coffee Company pop-up shop, they're now taking reservations, and you'll want to hurry because they're already filling up. They offer hot and cold espresso drinks, drip coffee, and so much more. It's a great treat for your employees, special events, even fundraisers. To book that pop-up coffee shop for 2023, visit coffeebybeans.com. That's coffeebybeans.com. And when you're there, you could purchase some of that delicious coffee, either by the bag or a coffee subscription. Use that promo code SPORTSCHAT at checkout. That is SPORTSCHAT, one word at checkout, and you'll save some cash. Beans Coffee Company, they ship anywhere in the U.S., Free shipping on all orders of $35 or more. Visit coffeebybeans.com. 
That is coffeebybeans.com. Daniel, let's close with a little America's pastime, Major League Baseball. I know, uh, you know, we always, people get stuck in their lanes, right? People think Daniel House is just a football guy, just a basketball guy, just a gophers guy. That could not be further from the truth. Daniel House, much like myself, big sports guy all around. So let's talk a little bit of baseball. Your thoughts on pace of play. The Twins, as we record this, have played just over 10 games. Actually, as we record this, they're 8-4, and four, having just taken two out of three from those dreaded and despised Chicago White Sox. How are you feeling about the pace of play changes through a couple of weeks of Major League Baseball? I love it. I believe it's one of the best things that Major League Baseball has ever done because I don't have to stand, sit there and watch pitchers stand up there and fiddle around and wait. And then you got the batter moving out of the box. Like it's just so much more enjoyable to watch a game. That's got some crisp tempo to it. And you, you can't like move away from the game for split second because now the action feels brisk and it's in a rhythm and you, you don't, you know, eat up your whole day watching a baseball game. The action is much quicker and I love it. Yeah, me too. I really could not have said that any better myself made it to my first game this year, a few days back. I love it. I think it's going to get me to the park more because for as much as I love the game of baseball, especially in the last handful of years. And as you get older, you have more responsibilities, more things to do. It's mm-hmm. tougher to sit at the ballpark till 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night for a nine inning game. So I applaud a lot of things that major league baseball has done. I applaud the Minnesota twins for moving all weeknight starts to six forty instead of seven ten. I think that's a great move. I love a lot of what major league baseball's done in the last few years. I'm glad that double headers are back to nine innings. I will say this, Daniel, I know it's only in the regular season, but to me, that's the argument to get rid of it. So a part of the reason why we claimed we wanted the ghost runner, I think, was to protect people's arms, which I get that part, but to also protect a game from not going five, six, seven hours. Well, if we've already sped up the game so dramatically, do we still need the stupid ghost runner to start the 10th inning? It to me... That's not baseball. I I don't enjoy it one way or another. Even if your team benefits and wins that night, I I don't like that you can bunt a guy over, hit a fly ball, and you can win a game because of that. At the very least, I, I have two proposals here. Either wait till the 12th inning to do that. Yeah. So give us two normal extra innings. Or start with the guy on first base. At least I can buy that a bit more. But putting him on second base, I I don't like that. You know, case in point, recent Twins game, you attempt to bunt the runner over, and because of an error and throw, a guy comes home and scores. Well, again, I still don't know, even if that play would have been fielded cleanly, I just don't like a team winning by bunting a guy over and then hitting a fly ball and winning in the bottom of the tent. I, I don't like that. That's... That's not baseball, putting a free runner at second base. And again, you're not going to do it in the playoffs, so why are we deciding regular season games that way? I, I don't like it. That's that's my one nitpick. Everything else is brilliant. I have no problems with it. I would just love to get rid of the ghost runner, but I don't believe that that's ever going to happen. Do you agree or disagree with me? How do you feel about the ghost runner? I don't like the ghost runner, and I would say now that the pace of play has improved that you could totally go back to just playing extra innings traditionally like you know it used to be. And 
the pace of play is one part of it. You even said like the 12th inning potentially going to the ghost runner. It will be a lot like college football where you eventually have to go for two. You know, they changed that. We're now, you know, uh, you're lessening the number of plays that are running. They're required to go for two after a touchdown beginning in the second overtime period, I believe. So it comes down to, you know, pace of play is so much better that is it that tough to extend the game a little longer now? I don't think so. No, me neither. So I'm glad to know that we're simpatico and in lockstep on this one because I think it would have strained our friendship a little bit. The the ghost runner, it's that important to me that we get rid of it. It, it just it just is. I it's just it's not baseball. Uh, finally, your thoughts on the Minnesota Twins this year? I don't think we covered any Twins the last time you talked. Uh, right now, they have a six sixty six winning percentage. I don't know if that will hold. Eventually, the boys are going to have to score some more runs. I do believe that. But I am very optimistic about this team. I I really do believe they will make the playoffs. I don't know if they'll win the division, but they're going to be a playoff team. And I'm on record now for the third or fourth time. This is the squad that will end it. I'm not saying they're going to win a playoff series. This squad will win at least a playoff game this year. I don't start evaluating baseball teams until June 1st because Ah, I like that. Me too. Me too. I believe that the pitchers are always ahead of the hitters for the early portion of the season. So once July 1st or June 1st hits, I start to understand how well a team's roster is built. Do they have a good bullpen? Do you have a lot of injuries that are already piling up? I know Byron Buxton got hurt already today. So it it's hard to put a finger on a team in April and May because of the weather and all of the variables that go into ramping up and getting through the whole baseball season. The first two months are just outliers always in my eyes. So I'm going to bite my tongue on Byron Buxton. And instead of um, hopping aboard the uh, bashing Byron Buxton train, it does, it does sound like he'll be just fine, but uh, hopefully I'll leave it at that. But I'm going to ask you, what are people going to find at gophersguru.com as we head towards that spring game? Spring practice notebooks are live. Three different ones. Uh, the first two have multiple parts. So part one and part two, you can go check out insight on the offense and the defense from those sessions. Uh, working on projects for the lull here, off-season studies, one that's going to be pretty cool that fans will enjoy, and feature stories on the website on some of the gophers in the draft. So check that oh. out as those guys get ready for a big moment coming up here, which is which is exciting. Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. At Daniel House NFL on the Twitter machine and GophersGuru.com. In closing for me on Gophers Hockey, I am entirely over the national championship game as long as I don't think about it. That'll do it for this edition, edition number 162 of Minnesota Sports Chat. My thanks to Daniel House, and most importantly, my thanks to you for giving me time each and every podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, download, please rate and review if you have yet to do so. I'm Ross Brendel. Thank you for listening. We'll pod again real soon.